0: Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic areas of church life. Each week, I'll be talking through a different aspect of church life, along with some very special guests. If you like this podcast, why not subscribe, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get into this week's episode. Welcome along to this week's episode of the Thinking Church podcast. This week, Lee Button and I talk about rekindling the love for online church. Now, I don't know if your church has been like this, but for many churches around the UK, everything started off really well with online church. But as time has gone on, the love for it has dwindled somewhat and um, Lee and I just talk about four ways we diagnose the problems and then look at four ways that we could help you just to rekindle that love before we get into that conversation I just want to let you know about our COVID-19 reoccupation checklist now uh, we've teamed up with our guest from episode four which is Lauren Campbell of Church Office Um, We've teamed up to create a comprehensive re-entering checklist. Uh, So when you are re-entering your church building after lockdown, there's so many things that you need to think about, things that uh, just maybe you wouldn't think about unless they were written down for you and instead of having to worry about thinking them all for yourself we've come up with a comprehensive checklist that you can go through you can send us uh, some documents as well photos and floor plans and we will send you a report that will help you just make really really great plans for reopening your building Uh, to buy that you can go to our website www.thinking.church and there's a covid19 checklist button at the top of the home page and it will take you to our purchasing page to buy that our prayer is that it is really really helpful and impactful for you anyway let's get on with today's conversation just want to let you know that in this uh, we had a few little audio problems with the internet which as is uh remote working at the moment you do get a few of those little hiccups but do bear with us the content in it is really really fantastic and we think that you will absolutely love it so without further ado here's mine and lee's conversation about rekindling the love for online church Okay so today uh, we're going to be talking about rekindling the love for online church and Lee it started off so well. Um, Why did it start off so well do you think?
1: I I was waiting for this one to start with what went well at the beginning and I was go well nothing. It's like (laughs) I think people have got mixed experiences of what happened in that rapid rapid moment. Um, So as well as what went what went well people transitioned and found out that change can happen in a short space of time uh if it if it has to but at the same time some people also found there are a number of obstacles to going online well so i think you know people quickly recognize that we've got devices how people can look stuff up how people can actually get engaged with what a church is doing or with just with online material actually is probably simpler um, and maybe some of the barriers to entry were fewer but other barriers to quality were higher um, you know we all found out that laptop cameras aren't as good as handheld mobile device cameras and you know some of the technicalities and things but overall we found at the beginning of all of this that change can happen quickly and people can all come with us
0: and at the beginning i mean we we put uh, out a webinar just saying how simply you can get online and i and, and i remember at the start of covid-19 and the start of lockdown it really was this race to just okay can we just get something up online mm. quickly and it's just looking at okay you know what platform are we going to use what can we do this sunday and it was really we had to do that. And, and, and I think what was amazing to see right at the beginning was just there was a lot of fruit that came from that. And a lot of people, you know, we started to see these you know, numbers that we thought, oh, we never thought we'd see that. And then you start to see, you know, uh, on Facebook Live, you start to see those people just having a little look in on a service that you thought, oh, gosh, they would they would never walk into a church service. But suddenly here they are. They're having a little look in and um, and. You know, and then the uh, the numbers came out. I can't remember if it was a, a Guardian article that came out, which said that I think it was over the first three months that that twenty five percent or twenty percent of the UK had engaged in a church service in some way, and it was all looking
1: pretty rosy. Um, yeah, I think there's part of that though that you know, let's say if you if you are on Facebook and you know. The average number of friends that people attribute on Facebook is, is is quite high more than we probably interact with on a daily basis but if all of a sudden you're showing you know is live watching church or you create a watch party suddenly the intrigue and the ability for people to look in silently without a high level of commitment is easy whereas maybe you had never extended that you know the invite to the Physical church building because that's that's quite a big commitment for a lot of people still, and you're committing to an hour of your time and you can't get a snapshot and you can't do it on your own terms. So I think that you know there's a lot of intrigue that if you if you're friends with somebody then you see that they attend a church, you can go and look. I'm also gonna I'm also gonna put out there. I think a lot of the beginning was people like me increasing those statistics. Sat down on a Sunday. Watching six or seven back-to-back services from all around different churches. Uh, okay. I think you know. Let, let's put it out there. We all we all literally church surfed in their early days.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's that's true. I think we all did. And and I know for, for me personally, I'd have the uh, I'd have the service, my church's service, on the TV and on my phone as well so I could comment. But I wanted to watch on the TV, so I had it on two devices. And then my wife was sat there with it on as well, so she could comment on the service as well. Uh, which is going to skew the numbers a, a little bit. Um, yeah. uh, but then there, you know, there's, then you can't take into account maybe kids. So maybe that just evens it up slightly, but it was, it seemed like it was all, all going well. Um, Lee, there's, there's a, um, a framework that you talk about. And, and I think COVID-19 hit into this is a framework called Kinevin. And I think this probably helps in terms of what actually kind of happens. Um, so could, could you just explain a little about this framework called Kinevin, what that is, yeah. and, and, then, and then how that can help us explain what we did at the start of COVID-19?
1: So yeah, Kinevin, Kinevin is um, a framework uh, of understanding uh, within systems how we act at any given point. And uh, it's developed by a guy called uh, Dave Snowden, And um, I'm gonna try and do it some justice by talking about it as simply as we can, but that means you also won't give it all the full detail. For those of you listening and you're about to try and Google this, by the way, Kinevin is spelled C Y N E F I N. It's it's based on it's a Welsh word. And it 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 roughly, I don't think it has a literal translation into English, but I think it, it roughly comes across as the place of my many. Uh, belongings or something along those things. Now, the Cynefin framework uh, is divided up um, into these uh, sectors. So there's like five areas, five regions, of which uh, four of them are are mostly dominant and there's a middle one, which is referred Mm -hmm. to as disorder. And it's basically around, we we can encounter things that are uh, simple. This is where, you know, it's best practice. It's where the relationship between cause and effect is obvious. So that forms one area, simple. There is complicated. This is where cause and effect requires some analysis, it needs some investigation. It's where you'd go to an expert. It's a thing that I might not know, but somebody else could know. So therefore I'm gonna go and get somebody to you know, give some knowledge on it. That's kind of good practice. We then come around there's also uh, complex. It's where we can only really look at what happened in retrospect. And this is emergent uh, practice. But then there's the, the the final one is where we get novel practice. This is where there is no relationship and all things are off. So we're we're going to act first and then we're going to sense and respond according to how we acted. So it's act first, then sense, then respond. And this is the chaotic uh, domain uh, of, of of the cannabinoid framework. So that's it in 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 a nutshell. So you can think that you know some days. Um, you know some things are known solutions to and it's very easy they're very simple we just crack on with them and it's all there um, a lot of the time we're actually probably working somewhere between complex and complicated you know we're trying to work out a way to go forward and we'll know in retrospect or we just need some expert knowledge to help us on our way but I think realistically at the beginning of the COVID lockdown you know I, I, I would say that we were forced into a situation where we needed to be doing something, so we acted first. And then as time has gone on, we should be moving into the sense and then respond to actually shape our understanding um, so that we can move through to bring it through the other domains um, and hopefully end up at a point where we've got good practice and best practice, simple solutions that we can that are repeatable. But at the minute we're, we're probably just coming through the act side of it and moving towards sensing.
0: And I guess this probably explains, you know, if we're, if this was a chaos, and you know, COVID nineteen, of course, is chaos, and and um, and everyone just acted straight away because it was let's get online this weekend, and do something, uh, and and that probably starts to ex- explain why things are starting to feel like they're they're going wrong a little bit with online church, and that the kind of the love has been lost a little bit. Um, I'm liking it in a blog that I've been writing to um, a bit of a, it's like a rom-com where it all starts yeah. off quite, quite well. And then suddenly the, the couple break up and, and you, you know, it it started out with a kiss. How did it end up like this is uh, is a good quote to use uh, from the killers for that. <laughs> and um,
1: this, this is, this is not the example I was going to give. I was going to say, here's, here, here's one, right. For, for right back at the beginning, and maybe this is it everybody needs to act on that first day to get some communications out knowing we weren't going to physically meet and you had a bunch of numbers and you just went people have got whatsapp so you acted and sent out a message to 50 plus people in whatsapp which was great because it got a communication out but how quickly does that actually descend into chaos when you realize that whatsapp does not scale that way for group communications okay so like you know, we acted and we got something out there, but now that we're beginning to sense people are not liking this method of communication and respond. It's like, well, we need a mass communications method that actually will scale and allow us to have better control over how we can find and receive and digest the, the messaging that we're given. I think that's put you know, that's a good one uh for for, for kind of like what many churches would have would would have jumped to. Um uh, but I, I do love The Killers reference. The Killers are good. I, I mean, I, I have to say, the with
0: Glastonbury not being on this year, having to, um, you know, being able to watch some of the, the headline acts back and The Killers one was, from a few years ago, was excellent. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I didn't realise we'd be recommending music on this uh on this show, though, i can say strange.
1: i I'm, I'm still i'm still reeling from the fact that the year i went to glastonbury was replayed and they referred to it as classic uh and that that that, that just makes me feel very old what year was it uh that would have been 97 and it was radiohead okay computer oh, they were the headline act
0: what an album that's one of my favorite albums that's brilliant well, you yeah, just, and along, and,
1: uh, along with Prodigy, uh, they were the other headliner act other night of so, Yeah, anyway, apparently, so cl- classic. Should
0: we <laughs> we get back to talking about online? <laughs> yeah, TV yeah. There? Let's let's, let's move on, on with
1: what we're really talking about. Segway
0: <laughs> there. Um, okay, so uh, so we it's we start off by acting, and we yeah. did something, and now we're starting to realize that you know that's sensing, and I think people are starting to sense that like what we did at the beginning isn't really working as a long-term strategy for online church. Um, So what we need to start to do now is the sensing is starting to happen. And now we need to think about
1: how we're going to respond to that. Yeah, I think there's a couple of, we're not normally pushed into appraising something new this soon into a new process like you would normally give things a much longer time to kind of like, you know, breathe, but you've also probably considered it for a longer amount of time before you implemented it. Whereas this, when you're acting and sensing, it's almost a constant cycle. And there's part of me that wonders, I'm not sure. um, This isn't just like a church thing. I'm not sure we've got decision-making mechanisms and appraisal mechanisms in for reviewing things where we're used to doing things this 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 rapidly um so you know we're used to having a lot more space around it and with all of the other complications that come with it you know you've you've switched to homeschooling for those who have children or you're now at home and you're all battling over the internet connection and other people are trying to carry out their work from home or maybe you've been furloughed and now there are financial pressures and there's all these other things were acting on this on this period that we weren't just dealing with the one thing. And so we were trying to ready ourselves and work out what was happening. And so I think to come through that with an appropriate uh, plan and like how, how how to do it. I mean, th- this is the realms where you're probably you're probably now in a complicated realm where you do want to get in some expertise to help you do that processing. know and I don't say that just because we're kind of people that get that kind of call Um, and we've done that with many of our clients church-wise and on the charity side of what we do as well but it's actually that rapid appraisal and the ability to filter what's happening and make sense um, is is, is essential and I think that's where things have started to slow down or maybe um, just hit those obstacles Uh, i'd say you know nobody's doing anything wrong but it's not quite going with the ease at which it should yeah and there's um
0: i think in the business world especially the silicon valley world of business this is actually quite a normal practice so when companies i think uh instagram is one of the the classics of starting like this is that they they start and they do something and then they they use this word pivot and they've got a they've got a pivot and i think we're a With online church, we're at a pivot point. That and and that's not to suggest that it's going to be the last pivot, because the 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 way the methodology of these companies that they use is that there's going to be many pivots to get where they want to go. And pivoting is a normal practice. And I think that's maybe for the church that's a really new concept, because I think we we're used to you know ancient practice. You know, we're we're used to long-standing ways of doing things. So the thought of pivoting is quite new.
1: do you think? And I think? I think as well as that, so like if we, if we talked about, you know, pivot is the kind of, I think you kind of probably know a little bit in retrospect when you've changed from one thing to another so you know when the pivot happened and how you, how you came to that. Um, we'll, we'll go, if we're talking about kind of like, we, we often talk about, you know, like the, the culture change and we're actually now trying to put things in place systems wise that will lead us to a culture of people still doing church in this new, We keep referring to it as the new normal, Mm -hmm. but like going forward, we've got, you know, some people are returning back to buildings. Some people can't, some of this is still online, but actually what we want is we want this. We want the pervasive thing of the culture to be people still engaging with uh, faith, people still engaging with one another and, you know, discipleship and all the rest of it. Now, if you're going to change a system, you are looking for multiple Interventions rather than changes per se. So that's when you act upon it to you know leverage what you want to happen to um, you know get to where you need to be, which ultimately gets gets us towards you know we can observe the culture. So I think you know those those interventions at any particular time to stay for want of the better term viable are the things that actually lead to those pivot moments. And you know there's a there's a there's a classic story of these guys, the Silicon Valley startup that set about creating some enormous online game and it, it wasn't really going very well um, and there was a bit of an intervention because things weren't right uh, where they were and the company was losing money. But they realized that they had a feature in the game that was working very, very well to do with uploading imagery and that became Flickr the photo sharing website of which some people will be more familiar than others, but it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, um, yeah, And I'm like, that's, that's so. people that started out trying to make a game ended up inadvertently creating Flickr, you know, you know, how great is it you can accidentally create a billion dollar uh, business. And that's wonderful, but not, not satisfied with doing it once. They then went back to try and take another stab at creating this game and it didn't go very well, and there was another intervention, and they were working out what was going wrong, but they realized they'd made a really great communications tool as part of this game the second time round. That became Slack. Now that is a brilliant you know, couple of accidents uh, for, for an organization trying to make a game. But I've seen too many people push forward, you know, with, with this metaphor of trying to make the game and not recognizing the pivot points, which could have created and innovated the new things that were great in their own right. Yeah. So this persistence. Like, so churches, um, we, we sometimes want to push forward with this thing that we think people want, but actually if we actually responded to that intervention and actually took stock properly, we could pivot to those things to create something new, which was better than we could have imagined. Um, and I think that's that's definitely something we need to to bear in mind and, and look at as we go through this process. What happens if we intervene correctly and appraise where we're going? What is what does that become?
0: And I, so, when we're starting to think about how we can start to respond and start to pivot, um, we don't say, to, so uh, there's a famous book, Start with Why. And I, I love that book, uh, but we don't actually say to start with why. Um, we're starting to say to start with who, instead. And um, this is because my background is is in marketing, and um, I know that in the in the business world, the old style of marketing was that you built your product and then you try to convince people to buy it. So that's yeah. the kind of old method. Um, So you try whatever tactics and offers and all that kind of stuff to make people buy your products. Whereas a new version of of marketing, which completely links into how these companies that are pivoting are doing, what they do is they start with their target market in mind and they design the product for their target market instead. So let's let's put that into the, the ministry world. We don't push ministry on people. We design ministry for people. Instead,
1: yes, yeah, that but if that's that would be like if you start building your church and people start attending, and the only product ministry thing that you're outputting is uh marriage counseling, but you've 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 only got people who are all sh- student age and single. Like, yes, it's got some relevance to them, but it's not the immediate need or the thing that you should be doing. There's a bit like actually the the things that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, you're bound to shape something which is much better uh, and more likely to keep them for the longer term where they're going to, you know, I say engage with you, but actually sustain their attendance and uh, and look to you for other things as time goes by.
0: Yeah, that's right. And um, so when we're thinking about who, um there's actually kind of five different types of who, and, and maybe it's it's the same who, but they're on different parts of the journey. Do you just want to run us through those five kinds of people that that we've got? And yeah, the f- sort of five stages
1: yeah so this is this is to do with um so this put this draws quite heavily so there's there's some principles called service design, which is how we uh, create things and they they align with a a user journey of how they would engage with this so broadly, this comes down to you start with somebody um and the first thing is there's their awareness of you are they aware of you now in the marketing world this would be are they seeing adverts and you know um advertorial and people talking about it that's the awareness
0: so in, in the, the second in, well before, so in the church world then so that's just are they aware that you do your church exists and yeah. are, are they are seeing they... you on facebook and social media and, and that kind of
1: thing yeah are people talking about you do they see your ads it's in fact it's all of this stuff holds true regardless of whether we get put off by business speak or not within church world look all all things are created by God um all of these things all these things are beneficial so I I think you know let's dispense with some of that for for, for a moment and just use some of this uh the, the common language of how, we, how we're talking about it because yeah, it is. You know, like your your church will have a sign outside it. Your physical church would have a sign outside it. And online, you will have a presence. There are things that people can engage with. That's part of the awareness. So, I mean, for starts, your your messaging has to be good. Your messaging has to be good. And apologies there for the interruption from Siri. Off my off well, my phone.
0: I was I was just about to say because Siri obviously seemed like you had something to say, and I'm just aware that I also have an Apple Watch on, so I've got to be careful not to say that name and this is what happens.
1: It's the uh, it's the uh, you 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 lift it to activate it, and I talk very animated with my arms waving all over the place, so it, it happens frequently. Yeah.
0: And um, well, no, the so next n- one is. Yep. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, let's go on to the the, the
1: next one. Uh, our um, yeah. our internet is is,
0: yeah. is lovely. Let, what's the next next stage? Awareness is the first one. Let's yeah. So moving one. from
1: awareness to consideration, this is where they start to actually weigh up whether it's you know they they they've seen maybe the, the the need for them to uh to to look into this in more detail are they going to consider you or you know or someone else you know in in business speak would say as a competitor but then there comes the point after consideration where they actually move to acquisition so you know in church terms this would potentially be attendance this is where they actually you know pop in take a look um and, and, you know and gain more of that following acquisition we move to uh, service this is where they're you know in in church terms this is the the programs and the things that we put on that would help develop them but in terms of buying a product this is the follow-up this is the uh, are they making sure they're using it right and all the rest of it and then it moves on after that after service you move to loyalty have you now got that recognition where they stay engaged with you and you are now their go-to people for, you know, the stand by which they want to do all that. Will they now only buy brand X um, or do they look to brand X for all of these things because they just like what they're, what they're about? You know, there are loyal, you know, fans of certain brands out there that just like swear by them because they've done probably a really good job, everything from the awareness Uh, all the way through the consideration, acquisition, uh, service and loyalty. So that's broadly what we're looking at here. And it really, really ties into the, you know, you've got the people who are currently in your church, they're at your service and loyalty stage, more than likely. And now because we're in an online space, this is a lot more about the awareness and consideration before we get them to an online or an in-person meeting, um, which is where, messaging and all the rest of it chris and this is i know this is like you know your thing you're sort of like no get clarity on this but this is this is where you've got to come into your own with how you're uh, putting yourself across at that point
0: that's right and i think you're absolutely right when you said that a lot of churches will have people in the kind of service and loyalty area and so that there, there we've got a, a loyal base a loyal core of people but in, rea- in reality, we, we, the people that we need to reach are the people who are in the awareness and consideration stage because they're the people that are going, okay, well, uh, is following Jesus for me? Is this the life I want to lead? Is, is there anything to this? Is this real? So these are the things that at the, that stage we need to be interacting with those things. So we need to design our ministry for the who. Um, which is the people in that kind of awareness consideration stage, and also, but it also needs to be uh for those people who are loyal and are, that love it every single week and so that they get something out of it every single week now, you can still have the same we talk about uh, thinking church psychographic so attitudes, interests, and opinions they would all you know they they're all in the same space is that they're all in the same psychographic but they're different stages of the journey and so that what it means is we just need to think about people who are at awareness and consideration and also people who are at service and loyalty because so and, and this has been the the traditional problem with you know the seeker sensitive church movement which was that it's just all going towards awareness and consideration and not making it something compelling for loyalty and service and we need to have both you need to have depth and, and, yeah. and width. And I think
1: we have to be very careful there as well that during this phase, and we touched on some of the numbers and things at the beginning, is that when you count uh, engagement, that a lot of people like that when we're counting the awareness, that number is generally quite high. And because it's quite high, we feel quite good about it. We kind of like the big numbers. Um, It makes us feel better about what we're doing. But actually that, that metric of just pure engagement is counting people in awareness and consideration stage. This is like counting first time guests, which is brilliant because you need first time guests. But actually that number, that engagement number does not really speak to the health or growth of your church. In fact, you could have that number quite high and routinely changing, but be in decline. You need to also be taking a metric off your people that are in the service and loyalty, because they're the people who are, you know, if that number's not going up over time, you are not retaining out of those first people at those engagement points. So, you know, we've all seen the big numbers over Facebook or YouTube or wherever we've been putting our services. Uh, in the only part of going online. But that's not the wherewithal of this uh, in its entirety. We need to be considering what does this look like to loyalty and people engaging with us longer term, as to actually the overall health. And you know, we we're not about growth or about health, but actually, you need you need some level of uh, of of growth to know how well you're doing. Uh, Because, you know, churches naturally have a cycle of people moving on and going elsewhere and stuff and people move and change jobs. So you need to be balancing out that by new people onboarding and coming with you.
0: So we've got uh, four ways, and this is not, you know, this is not an exhaustive, exhaustive list at all. But these are four ways that we think that churches can help think about how. You, I'm titling it "Rekindling the Love for Online Church." So how we can help them get the love back a little bit, <laughs>
1: as it were. So, wh- which ca- which character does this make you in the rom com? <laughs>
0: um, I think that makes me the the best friend. The best friend character, you know, that that comes alongside and gives them a bit of a pep talk. Um, you know, in the film, they always reach this part of the the movie where it's it's called the dark night of the soul, and maybe as a church, we're uh, in that with online church a little bit. And there's always someone that comes, you know, it's normally the best friend comes along and says, "You know what? If you want, if you want the girl or the guy, you need to fight for them." And um, and they always go, "Yeah, okay." And then they get this this new plan to, you know, and 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 then it all ends happily and maybe this is you know this is what, what we are in this situation where the we the best friend that comes along and gives the uh gives a little bit of a, a helping hand and gives a bit of a pep talk and here's four and so we've got four ways that we we think that on uh, as an online service you can just it's simple things that if you just put them into practice they're just going to help especially in that awareness and consideration stage and um, the first one is getting clarity on the purpose uh, Lee, talk us through
1: that. This is why why you're doing it and how you convey it. You, if you're going to do these things, you've got to know exactly why and be able to tell people that succinctly and clearly, because people are attracted to clarity and clarity wins in in this situation.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right. And and it's thinking about for every service. So for, for a live services, that sense of going, we don't, you know, we can see how it all works out. That, that can be okay. It's not great, but it can, it can get over the line in a live situation. But when it comes online, if, if you don't know the purpose of what you're trying to do, then there's no reason why someone's going to decide to join a service. So you've got to be really, really clear about what you're, aiming to achieve and i guess that what that does is that brings us on to the, the point two which is think about what makes you click a link so when you're going to go and look at a, you know if you're going to watch a video on youtube or facebook or, or whatever what makes you and lee i'll ask you this to you what makes you click that link
1: oh uh, this is uh we talk about so there's clickbait it's the way a headline or a link is shaped that makes me think there is something after it, which I now want to engage with or know. So that it's it, it's got to be enticing or incentivized. That's what makes me click a link. There's just things we can't get away from here that are just human behavior. Um, we can't resist it. Now, don't go and make all your headlines look like the cover of like, okay, or hello. Don't go doing that. But there is a way that you could do this in, you know, to the, the link has got to have something in it. If it just says Sunday service. Like, I don't know if that actually tells people what they're going to get. You might know there's some hidden knowledge there. They might just be after the latest Kanye album. So yeah. <laughs> we've got to be very clear. So. It's, it's worthwhile saying something this is where we would probably consider like you know the thematic nature of how you teach or what you're about to put on there is a way to actually hook people with what you're saying that they're like going oh no there is something there that will apply um, and we're seeing lots of it there are, there are dozens of examples out there you don't have to read very far and even just look at the ones that you were willing to click as to why they work um and Uh, Yeah, and follow through with that as a kind of action, and don't be scared to also change them. Like if you put one up and it doesn't get much traction, change it, try again. Yeah. Like, actually, have a look. You can get metrics and stats on all of these kind of things these days. You can even do what's called A/B testing, where you can put two versions up of a link and see which one gets the most traction, and then go with that. So. there's there's things you can do at varying levels of complexity Um, but start simply write something that's clear uh, but also kind of enticing and incentivized for people to actually follow through with click
0: yeah and there's three different things so it's the it's the name of the service so like you said don't just call it online service which I think a lot of churches do but what is it that's in the service that you're going to be talking about so you know if you're going to be talking about prayer then then write a really interesting title that's going to help make people think, oh, I'd like to find out about prayer. And that's, that's really, really good. The, na- the other thing is the thumbnail. The thumbnail image is so important. Whenever you see uh, videos that are doing really well on YouTube or Facebook, their thumbnail image is the thing that's really standing out. It's, it tells you what you're going to be getting from the video. And so people make their decision based upon that. And you, if you think about, you know, when we're thinking about videos that are going past people's feeds, it's a bit like footfall past uh, your church. Now, a lot of people will be walking by, but they, you've got to give them, you got to give them something to to grab hold of, and and you've got to know what, they, and they need to know well what what am I expecting from this? And I think that's, um, and I think this is probably where it's different from pandering to a kind of consumer culture because we don't want to do that but what we do need to do is, is serve those people well and the best way you can yeah. serve them is to say oh do you know what we we'll be kind enough to tell you what you're going to get from your time and your time is important to us so we'll let you know this is what we're aiming to talk about and this is the this is the subjects that we're going to be getting and if that you know and the hope is that that, that will interest people enough." To click that link. So that, that's the second one. The third one is the description, you know, YouTube videos, um, always have a description and people will look at that description and say, okay, what's in this? Will I have, is this going to be of interest to me? Um, and will I click a link for it? So the, uh, the, the link, it's, so of the title, the thumbnail and the description are so important for your online yeah. service.
1: I'm I'm going to add in there, Chris, that because you said about the titling and the thumbnail and the description. I'm going to throw this one in, but I'm also going to make a petition to you live during this podcast that we turn this into a, a separate session. When it comes to accessibility, that actually you've got an opportunity with generating space in an online way as opposed to a physical space. We can create physical spaces that exclude and preclude attendance and people are unable to, you know, get to it. We can do the same online. You can build something and unintentionally start excluding people. Um, so if you're going to actually start looking at this and we talk about accessibility, and I mean that in the, in the, in the, in the truest sense of making this available uh, for everybody, be really careful with your descriptors, and if you've got an opportunity to label an image, if you've got an opportunity to add hashtags, if you've got opportunities to um, put descriptions in, put them in well, because that's going to engage with people who may may otherwise, you know, they're nothing like you know, you know, if they if they hover over a link and they're using a screen reader because they've got uh they've they've got uh site uh site problems, then. You don't want it to be that, like hovering over an image. It just says image001final.jpg or something like that. Mm -hmm. No, make sure that you've put in descriptors and uh, hashtags and things that can be uh, readable by screen readers. Now, uh, I did actually put something up into one of our group things here as an organization, uh, which has been developed by .gov. About accessibility and online accessibility, I think we'll, we'll try and get that link into some show notes after this yeah, as sure. well. There is free advice available on how to do this, and actually, you could start serving some people who have been underserved at these times, and that we we don't want to be don't want anyone to be forgotten. And we've got an opportunity to make this available to literally everyone and it's probably why we're looking more towards a hybrid church going forward with a mix of uh physical space and virtual space that allows us to uh reach and speak and you know uh, uh grow with uh with with anybody who wants to
0: yeah that sounds like a good uh, we could do a whole
1: episode on on that about accessibility in the church I think I think we will go and find an expert uh, so if you're listening and you know somebody that could help talk into that who would uh we, we'd love to meet with them so you know get the word out there we that's an episode that we'll be coming to in the future
0: yeah drop us an email hello at church for sure Okay, um, number three on how to rekindle the love, tell people in advance. I, uh, often we wait till Sunday morning and maybe don't even ask people to uh, share the video. But actually, you know, when you, whenever you watch YouTube videos, the first thing they always ask you to do is, so on YouTube, they'll ask you to subscribe, they'll ask you to press the bell icon so you get notifications and to give you a thumbs up because they help you reach more people. And same with the podcast at the beginning of this podcast, we say, you know, give us a um, a rating and give us a review because it helps us reach more people. And that's it's exactly the same with your church service. But what we don't do is we don't put out a link in advance often and just say, here's the thing to click. And I, it, I think it's really it's really interesting. It's, it's, you know, it's a bit like opening your shop a minute before. you You know it's not really going to help, is it? It, Just putting that link up when it's live.
1: Yeah, it's it's not the same as, you know, we've all got addresses for physical buildings and they don't move, but it would be like being itinerant and announcing your location minutes before you go live every Sunday. You wouldn't do that. You would announce well in advance. So let people know the links in advance and create a great process for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The last one is to give a clear next step and i think what's important to think about here is that um so when we had dale sellers uh, of the 95 network um and he was just phenomenal well, it's uh, episode one go and watch it uh, or listen to it sorry not you can't watch it you can you can listen to it um but on that one he said that his church they get an average watch time of about six minutes and we know that from facebook the average watch time for any videos is 10 seconds um, now, we all know that some of the, you know, it's because autoplay is often on on people's feeds, so that's going to play. But what it does mean is that we really need to think about, we've only got a limited amount of time available. And so we need to think about the next step that we want to give. Um, Lee, do you, is there anything you want to speak in to that about thinking about creating a clear next step?
1: It, I think it is that simple but it's easily forgotten actually you're trying to get people to go away thinking about something and giving them a reason to come back to you so a clear next step is something actionable that they take away that they can implement it's just good practice if you know what it's better than good practice it's best practice yeah yeah
0: absolutely and I think um and so on YouTube you can actually put in Uh, links within the video if it's going out later Um, you can uh, on Facebook you can pin comments so that if when people go in they can see a pinned comment and that'd be the first thing that they'll they'll see Um, there's lots of options about how you give people a clear next step and maybe that is taking people to a page on your website that talks about and maybe introduces people to jesus or tells you how to get involved in a small group or a new people's group or, or something like that but whatever it is it's you if you've only got say from 10 seconds up to maybe a maximum of say six minutes you've only really got time for one next step
1: yeah and i think you need to be in, in an online space if this is why we would probably uh talk more about the thematic way that people are teaching so even if you're going to focus on uh kind of like you know scriptural references in your teaching in such a way that you're 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 expanding on something with just within uh you know a, a bible text as opposed to talking about something as a topic if you know what that next step is have it in such a way that you can intersperse it in your talk and say it a few times over the course of your speaking so that you that people are beginning to mull that over before they even uh before it even finishes so that if people do exit earlier or you know people have got home life still going on that, that they've heard it at some given point but th- this is the bit when you know we've done the awareness and consideration and acquisition this is the bit that moves people between service and loyalty. Basically, this is the next step. Is that bit that brings them along with you into that cycle of hearing what you're about and how, how to take that forward and to just just to be part of what you've got going on in such a way that they know that this is this this is it going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I was to add a fifth one in there, which I know I said four, but if I was to add a fifth, is that uh, I think sometimes we we plan too much for the live and that what we recognize is that actually there's there's apart from maybe reading out a few comments on online there's not a lot of difference between that and watching it later so i think being more comfortable you know it's 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 a shift i think for us a bit like you know going from tv that comes on at a certain time you know bbc1 to netflix where you can just watch it whenever you you like and there's a subtle shift but for the church that's actually now starting to happen that we put these things up and there's still you can still have this live aspect but but actually more people will probably interact with it later and that's okay and so it's not being too head up about the live numbers and the live figures and actually design your service for those live not just for the live numbers but for the people who are going to watch it on demand as well because you know, why not? Why not? You know, if a group of friends are going to come together and watch the service together, but they're going to watch it on Monday morning, that's great. Why not? So think about, don't just think about the live event. Think about how you can create the service that's can, that can be uh, watched back. It can be watched on demand, which means not, not probably putting too many, live moments in which become unwatchable when you watch them back think about it if, if it's all designed for live and it doesn't work when you watch it back the majority of people are going to watch it on demand because they
1: can yeah absolutely and if you want some good cues about how to do that reference some primetime tv because they are all going out now on plus one channels and the day after is repeats but they still work when you watch them as repeat even though they are live shows. They know how people are consuming entertainment. The thing is is that people's lifestyles and the way that we're having to move and do stuff these days, and particularly if your church, if you're at home, I don't drop my children off into any kind of children's church or kids' ministry. Mm -hmm. They they are with me. So it's not always the best time for me to listen or you know with my wife and actually take on board what's being said in that moment so sometimes we'll watch the worship together it's difficult to engage with the actual talk and then we're there for the kids piece that happens afterwards with the kids engage with we are going back and watching that later and after after the fact um, through just through practicality so i think yeah we've got to be got to be aware of that uh, through the whole piece
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. Online church is really going to be a such a key strategy for the ongoing future of churches in the UK. So we want to do our part to help you rekindle the love for online church. Uh, don't forget that you can check out our COVID-19 reoccupation checklist. If you're looking to get back into your building, then you need a comprehensive plan to do that. And uh, we've got that on our website, www thinking dot church. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.